Welcome to the podcast of Unity Fort Worth. In it, you'll hear this week's message and meditation. If you'd like to hear and see the complete service, you can always find it at unityfortworth.org or on the Unity Fort Worth Facebook page. Unity Fort Worth focuses on positive and practical Christianity with a willingness to explore the entire world of religion and spiritual thought. Unity Fort Worth streams live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Thanks for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. So I've been talking about <clears throat> faith last Sunday, and I want to continue talking about it today a little bit because faith is such an important aspect of our spirituality, and we need to learn to understand well, when it is worthwhile and where it is worthwhile putting our faith into. And so last week I started talking about that often our faith is limited to just the ups and downs of our lives, the circumstances that are happening, and we often use faith as a somehow a repair method or a fixing method in order to change something that we don't appreciate at the moment. Instead, what we should do is we should put faith in some of the core understandings and the foundations of our spirituality, such as our understanding of what God is. Regardless whether you believe in God as being unity and um, God being a principle as we do in unity, or God is separate and, and is still active, very active in your life, most importantly is that you put the faith in the foundation of your spirituality. We also talked about, since in unity we believe we have this oneness relationship with God, that there is an element of faith that we acquire there as well over time to understand that that is actually a reality. And then I just started very briefly talk about the third principle, the law of mind action, which is about our thinking and feeling, how we think and feel about ourselves and others, and learn to put faith in a balanced, harmonious way of thinking and feeling that then ultimately creates the reality that we desire. So that's where we came from. And this is all under the umbrella of the idea that the meek are the ones that are blessed and they will inherit the earth. We're all supposed to be the meek. We're all supposed to be humble because we are destined to inherit the earth. And if you remember from last week, the way we inherit the earth is by learning to understand what the ideal is that we would like to see manifested. The Garden of Eden, heaven, the highest good for all of us. So today I want to continue on faith, and I want to just clarify just one more thing with a little drawing that you already have come to know, which is a circle. Is it not connecting? You see? There it is. So that's kind of like how I usually draw uh, us as individuals. A circle with the infinity symbol in, in, inside of us. Because that's usually the traditional focus, is going in. 
inward, 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 because our senses pull us outward all the time. And so we talked about this before, that our attention is often outside rather than on the inside. And we need to learn to put our attention on the inside so that we gain a little bit more perspective on who and what we are. Now, the outside is also known as content. And then on the inside, we have feeling and we have meaning. And there are various levels on that. So when we are on the content level on the outside, things are going up and down, up and down, up and down all the time. Very busy, wouldn't you say? Like, look at one day in your life. It's all about this and that and the next thing to do and going through your chores and, you know, whatever it is. We hardly have time nowadays to catch up on all the things that we are supposed to do. That's all content. But whenever you give yourself a moment to actually check in and say, how do I feel right now? Things start to slow down, don't they? And then you can go even a little bit deeper and you can ask yourself, well, what does it all mean to me? And it is important that we understand the difference because, let me see if I can just delete this. Nope. Because, it all relates to the ups and downs in our lives. When we are on the content level, this is how life looks like, doesn't it? It goes up and down, up and down, up and down. If we are lucky enough, we have extended periods of highs, and then sometimes we go with extended periods of lows. But if you look at one day from getting up in the morning until going to sleep, you probably have highs and lows all the time, wouldn't you say? So that's content. At the feeling level, it starts to actually be a lot calmer. Because, first of all, we, don't, or we are often not aware of our feelings. We go through life one thing after the other after the other without even knowing how we feel. It's very interesting when you ask people, how do you feel? Hardly ever will anyone ever answer you with a feeling they will always explain to you what they're currently doing. That's not a feeling. A feeling is very simple. Happy, mad, sad. Right? And afraid. Happy, mad, sad, and afraid. That's what it boils down to. We have about two, 300 different feelings that we identify, but when it comes down to, it's really four core feelings. But ask anyone at any given time how they feel, you hardly ever get a feeling word that's being said. Why? Because we are so caught up in the content up here. Because we tend to believe that that is what this is about. So when we then slow down and start looking at the feeling, we're getting a little bit deeper and a better understanding of what's going on. And then when we start to ask ourselves what it all means, guess what? it starts slowing down even further. The fluctuations are no longer as high as they are in the content. That's why in professional counseling, we often deliberately bring someone from the story down to how they feel about the story to learn 
what it all means to them. Because once we identify how, what it means to us to be alive, what it means to us to be angry at someone, what it means to us to be challenged in life, then we're at the much slower, much calmer level. And guess what? Our hearing gets a lot better too. All of a sudden we start to listen to each other. Makes sense, right? Because up here, who has time to listen? It's chaos, right? I don't have time to listen to you right now because I already know the next 10 things I need to do in the next five minutes. But when we start to connect at the feeling level and we start to get to know each other at the meaning, we slow down, we learn, we're more patient. So that is the basic idea of how spirituality works. You can even add another level. You can go from content to feeling to meaning and then to spirituality. Guess what spirituality is? Remember what that was? How would spirituality look like if we, I don't have much space, so I'll put it down here. How would the curve look like when we think of our spirituality? Remember that for the last few weeks? It's a solid line, a solid baseline. It doesn't change at all. When we are connecting with our spirit, with our divinity, there's no movement whatsoever. We're open, we're receptive, there's no more fighting, there's no more changing, there's no more controlling. So why is this all important? It's important because we need to stop looking at faith at the things that are very obvious. We need to start to look a little bit deeper at those things that are not as obvious. That's why today's talk title is called Faithing the Unobvious. Because the obvious stuff, we already do. And for most of us, we have probably practiced faith for most of our lives. But if you are like me, some of those practices haven't really helped much. We have to learn to go a little bit deeper. So today, I want to introduce five Bible stories to you. And my emphasis is on introducing, because every Bible story is worth a few hours of study. <laughs> so I promise you, potluck is happening very soon. I told the tech team to put the clock up as big as possible so I cannot miss it and I have no excuse. But I want you to think of the Bible stories, and you can take any scriptural story, by the way, but I do like to encourage people to dust off their Bible and once in a while read in it. In the first book, the book of Genesis, a little bit later into, into the book, starting around chapter 6, we have the story of Noah. And most of us are familiar with the story of Noah, who is told by God to build an ark and then to get pairs of animals and put them in the ark and get, their, get his family into the ark and then 
close up the ark and wait for the flood, right? Everyone with me? Most? Right? Pretty familiar story. The obvious interpretation of this story, the traditional obvious interpretation is obedience. Because Noah is being obedient. So I mean, think about this. If someone, if any of us right now would have God talking to us and say, hey, go and build an ark, how many of us would actually do that? <laughs> not many, right? What's not so obvious about this story is that even though we look at obedience from Noah's obedience as something that he does toward God, he's being obedient toward God because that's the Old Testament kind of thinking. We can also look at it a little bit different. What if we are beginning to be obedient to our own godliness, our own divinity? Because if you look at this story a little bit closer, look at the symbolism of the story. Animals, for example. Animals are representative of our thoughts and feelings. And guess what? Pairs of animals means male and female right? I talked about male and female aspects before, the masculine and the feminine, and I talked about how important it is for us to learn to harmonize both the masculine and the feminine, regardless of how we identify in terms of gender at all. We both have that in us. So it's very striking that we have a story that specifically asks for male and female, masculine and feminine, representations of specific animals, all representing specific thoughts and feelings. So what we learn to be obedient toward is not some God outside of ourselves that will flood the earth, but to prepare ourselves for the time when the flood comes and we all have experienced the flood in our lives before, haven't we? Right? when things don't go well, when we wished we had an ark and we could hide away. It's that moment when we become obedient to ourselves, to our thoughts and feelings, and learn to harmonize it over and over again so that we have that calm and ease that we need. That is the faith that we can put in. We can put in the faith into our ability to learn to be obedient, not to something that we cannot define, but something that's very close to our hearts, that which we desire, through the way we think and feel. <clears throat> so it's important for us to understand how we feel. Because sometimes how we feel doesn't match at all how we think about the world, doesn't it? It's important for us to learn to harmonize because that is building the ark within us, the ark that will protect us when the flood comes. Another story is that of Moses. Moses, in the book of Exodus, is leading the Israelites out of bondage, Egypt, into the promised land. There's a lot of pieces to it, the burning bush, Ten Commandments, the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the Israelites not doing what they're supposed to be doing, the golden calf, and so on. But the main story about Moses is guidance. 
Moses is the guide of the Israelites into the promised land. And guess what? Who are the Israelites? We are. We are the Israelites. We are the ones that are promised the promised land. And guess what? We are also Moses. We're the ones that guide ourselves toward the promised land. Again, we can look at guidance as something outside of ourselves. We may pray to God to give us guidance. That's kind of like the obvious way we approach faith in many ways. Or we can look at the not-so-obvious to say, what if Moses is a representation of my own ability to draw out my spirituality and give myself the information I need in order to find my way through the desert? 40 years, really not the time that actually is the same time as we would, uh, would know nowadays. 40 means however long it takes. It's a symbol. However long it takes for us to go through the desert, we are guiding ourselves by drawing out our own spirituality over and over again. That's worthwhile to put our faith in, don't you think? To put our faith in our ability to guide ourselves toward the promised land, which we call many different ways, heaven, garden of Eden, enlightenment, awakening, that's kind of like what the promised land means. But we are the Israelites. We are deserving of reaching that promised land. Job, another story. Job can, is a difficult story to unpack. But the core of Job's story is that, that he never faltered in his faith. He's steadfast in his faith. Remember the story, Satan kind of kits, you know, kits around with God and says, the only reason why people actually are faithful to you is because they're rich and happy and, you know, and they get everything they need. If they lose everything, then they, no longer, they will no longer be faithful to you. That was the challenge that Satan had for God. And God said, sure, let, let's try it out. <laughs> Poor Job was the victim. <laughs> God took everything away from him, except his wife in the tent. The wife says a couple of things, but that's pretty much it. And then Job has another three friends that just keep telling, pointing out the mistakes that he made. That's why he lost everything. But throughout the entire book of Job, he never loses faith. In fact, he transforms himself into a greater understanding of faith because he's learning one important thing, that our faith has very little to do with how rich we are, how many possessions we have, how well we are being looked at or what our status quo is, how much we have of those things that many people spend a lot of time focusing on, titles, money in the bank, and all these things. He is transitioning from removing himself from the attachment to those things into understanding what faith truly is about. 
not very obvious when you read the book of Job, because there's a lot of complaining in that book. If you want to learn how to complain, read the book of Job. <clears throat> he does a wonderful job complaining and lamenting about life. Wonderful book, but ultimately, the steadfastness of faith is so strong in this book that it gives us a very important lesson. Again, faith on the busyness of content, up and down, up and down, up and down, will be as fluctuating as what we put our faith in. But to learn to put our faith in spirit alone will give us the stability that we actually seek. This is a story that not many know. Ever heard of Book of Esther? I, I see some nodding. Not very familiar story. Esther represents secret. Esther is a Jewish queen, but she is Jewish in hiding because she married the Persian king, and the Jews weren't really liked much by, by the Persians. In fact, at some point, the king is plotting or planning to kill all the Jews. This is where Esther comes in and, and starts getting active. She's in hiding as a Jew. Esther actually means to hide when you look at the Hebrew root of the word. Her original word, that was not her original name. Her original name was, guess what? Myrtle, just like Myrtle Fillmore, co-founder of Unity. But she was named Esther to hide her Jewish heritage. So she represents secret, hiding, keeping it a secret. Now let's be honest, how many of us have kept our true desire secret, maybe even from our closest friends? How many of us have not even shared what we truly want in our lives? from our families, from our close friends, maybe even from our partners. It takes a lot of strength to do that, doesn't it? And yet many of us are doing it because it may not be safe for us to truly be honest, right? Think for a moment if all of us in here were 100% honest, we would just say exactly what we think and feel. How well would that go, get, go about? Probably not, right? Because we're not, we're not learning to be honest. We're learning to put a mask on, just like Esther did, being a queen, being pretty, being witty, and yet she held that secret for so long. She ends up saving the Jews, and there's a lot more to the story but when it comes to faith, the not so obvious thing is that when we put our faith into ourselves, we must learn to actually put it in that which is the most secret, the most secret high that is connected to our strongest and most powerful desires. Let us not put our faith in the things that other people expect us to do, because that will be just wasted time. Because one thing is clear through all the teachings that we learn from Jesus, Moses, Noah, Job, Esther, it 
the only way to truly get this for us individually and for everyone in this world is by learning to be okay with who and what we are. Remember my talk last year, I am okay, you are okay. My God is okay, your God is okay. Right? That's where it comes down to. And finally, the story of Jesus walking on water. Specifically, Peter getting out of the boat and starts walking on water himself. Peter representing faith himself, according to unity beliefs. The power of faith is represented by Peter. We believe that every time Peter is mentioned in the Bible, it's a story about faith. So here is the representative of faith itself getting out of the boat, and we already know that the boat or the ark is actually a protection. So he has a lot of courage here. He has a lot of courage to step out of his protective mode, his boat, his protection, and he is following Jesus and saying, what you do, I can do. Courage. How many of us have had moments in life when we understood it will take a lot of courage for us to be who and what we truly are. Many, right? How many of us have failed? How many of us have succeeded, right? It all depends. The safer we feel with each other, the safer we feel to step out of the boat, and start doing those things that our master teachers have brought to us and told us we can do also. We are not separate from them. We're not diminished from them in any way. And that is maybe not the very obvious, but a very unobvious thing to learn, to learn to have faith in us as we are, perfectly the way we are, without having to put a mask on, without having to believe, that we are not okay when we interact with each other. You can tell there's a lot more to these stories. And I'm sure I will have opportunities to just take a story individually and then expand on it just in one sermon alone. But I want to encourage you to start asking yourself, what is the not so obvious thing about me that I can put my faith in? Is it obedience to myself, my desires, the way I am, the way I'm supposed to be? Is it guidance? Is it the guidance that I can give to myself toward my own spirituality? Is it to be steadfast in my faith? Is it to find the secret of the Most High within myself, or is it just to have the courage enough to say, what if I tried for a moment to show others who and what I am? And with that, I would like us to move into meditation and give us a moment of peace and quiet
So again, we're using a topic that may be challenging. And so we can use the same ideas of content to feeling to meaning to allow us to go deeper with it. Especially meditation, we take a moment in time and space and find ourselves to deepen our understanding. To learn, to remain open, and to find peace. We remove ourselves from the busyness of life right now. We check in with our hearts and minds to feel and to order our thoughts. We can even ask the question, what does it all mean to me? What does it mean to be alive? What does it mean to be me? And come up with an answer without having to share it. So we recognize the things that we truly desire. And we learn to harmonize our thoughts and feelings around that. And as we find balance and peace in prayer and meditation, We deepen our understanding, learn what it all means to us. And we calm the busyness of life to enter the spiritual. We remember that as spirit, we are flawless. As spirit, we are perfect. As spirit, every thought and every feeling is aligned with our desires. As spirit, all our desires are only for goodness. without any limitations and distractions and regrets and worries and judgments, everything we desire must and can only be for the good of ourselves and others. So imagine for the moment that that is the truth. Hold that truth in your hearts and minds. And now 
put all the energy you have, all the faith you can muster into just that. We can quietly or silently affirm to ourselves that I am spirit. I am spirit and I am truth. We can say that all my thoughts and feelings are perfectly aligned with what I desire. Whatever I love and desire is perfect for myself and others. So we hold that vision for ourselves. And we imagine, as we can do, so will others also. It's through imagining the perfection in ourselves, the perfection in life, the Garden of Eden inherited on this earth that we create heaven on earth right here and right now. As spirit, we are not bound to any limitation. As spirit, we are perfect. As spirit, we are faithful to who and what we already are. So we allow that to become present. We allow that to be in the here and now. So we allow the gratitude to come forth through the perfect harmony of heart and mind. We embrace ourselves, our loved ones, our friends, our acquaintances, and share a moment of thanksgiving. We allow the gratitude to take place in every moment of our lives. And we recognize from here on out every opportunity we are given to say thank you. And with that in mind and heart, we allow ourselves to come to peace. And so it is. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. You just heard this week's message and meditation. For the live streams and more information, go to unityfortworth.org. 